Everybody say praise the Lord. Now tonight we've come to uh, have a Bible study on the reason that apostolic women have long hair and men have short hair and why it is that the Bible teaches it. So we're going to pray and uh, I know we started this a couple weeks ago. We got part way into it. Tonight we're going to uh, just go all the way through it uh, if you're still alive. <laughs> no, we're going to go all the way through it. But let's pray and ask God to help us to receive it and for it to have an impact on people's lives because these are the days in which we're preparing for the Lord to come. So let's lift our hands and thank God right now. Father, I pray that you will anoint the word of the Lord to our hearts and ask God that you will speak to us in a special way and anoint us. And We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. Now, if you would turn in your Bibles, we're going to begin uh, over. I'm just going to quickly look at a couple things. I can't just start in the middle. Uh, so we're going to read verse 16 of, of 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is. Uh, <clears throat> all right. We're going to we're going to let the first slide come up before we actually look at it now. So if you'll look with me at first Corinthians 11, 16. Now, the, this is the final verse. And Paul tells us that people won't like hearing it. Now, listen to what let me let me say this just as introduction. When we get to 16, we're already done. All right. So God and the world part ways on matters of holiness, always have. The world says, I can watch that. One guy told me watched all this stuff, didn't affect him. I said, that's what you think. He didn't think it affected him, but it does. But that's because God's ways and the world's ways are not the same. John said, love not the world. All right. Now, verse 16 says, if any man seem to be contentious, now, this word seem is a Greek word that means intend. So if you intend to be contentious, everybody say intend. So if your intention is to be contentious. Now, the word contentious is a word that means quarrelsome. In other words, it's, it, it's really the word for, uh, like you would say, a, he's not very brotherly. That's the same kind of word. But it means that instead of being kind and brotherly, your, your intention is to be quarrelsome. Then Paul says, we have no such custom. Meaning, no such custom. Everybody say, such custom. See, such there means we don't have a custom like that, being quarrelsome. We, we don't have, it's a little bit of a, not a joke, but a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek saying we don't have any custom in the churches that say let's all be quarrelsome. But we do have the teaching about this. If you don't like it, we understand it because the world doesn't understand the ways of God. And sometimes people don't understand it because they're just, they're not quite there. How many of those are people love God? They're not quite there. They're, they're still thinking and reading and so, so on. You know, new people can only learn so fast. They can't learn it all at one time. So the Lord's going to help us, and, uh, and he's going to give us an understanding of his word. So you may be seated. Thank you for standing. And uh, I want to begin with uh, verse 14 and 15, like we did last week. If a man have long hair, 
It is a shame. All right. So there's there's a starting point. Someone said, well, what does long hair mean or where does that word come from? Well, we'll 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 come back to that. But the very basic is that long hair for a man is a shame. All right. And someone said, well, I don't know what long is. Well, if you don't know what long is, then what are you? I'm just kidding. No, but that's a good question in a way, but it's also kind of silly. We, we all know that short is short and long is long. We know that. But, but you know, the, the, when you want to quibble, then you'll say, well, uh, is this long or is that long and so forth? And, and so that's what people do. With that. I'm not here to, uh, to discuss it. If a man have long hair, it's a shame. Now look at verse 15. I'm only reading, of course, these expressions. If a woman have long hair, it is what? A glory. Now that's what we're going to come back to here in just just a moment. Uh, It is a glory to her. Now let's go to the next slide because, and I'm just reviewing here, that that the culture uh, uh, disagrees. Now listen to me. The culture disagrees that the Bible or somebody should tell someone, you cannot cut your hair. Or you can or you should cut your hair. Because basically our culture doesn't tell anybody to do anything. Except to, you know, quit preaching to me. Uh, basically, everybody just does what they want. They do what's right in their own eyes. That's just basically where we are. As a, as certainly in America. America's in very serious shape. But uh, even people that are trying to be righteous and serve God will often say, I don't want anybody in my face. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Well, you need to let the Bible, of course, tell you what to do. But the fact of the matter is when you're preaching holiness, it's like going uphill in, a, in an evil world. But righteousness opposes culture many, many times. And that culture can be very, very sinful. And when the when John the Baptist saw sin, he preached it. Of course, he lost his head, but he preached it because he had to preach the truth. Now, let's begin in verse 1, which is where you thought I would start. Be, let's go to the next slide. Be ye... Oh, hold it. We're, we need to go two slides. All right, let's go to the next one. Be ye followers of me. That's the word mimitate. So I've already told you, which means to imitate. So you imitate the, the Lord, just like you should imitate Sister French and I. You should say, well, what are they doing? What are they, how are they, what do they believe? So be imitators of, I mean, followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, which remember there is the same Greek word, uh, men. Uh, memnestha, which means to mimic. So remember me and, uh, and, and imitate me in everything that I'm doing. And so it is. Now let's go to the next slide. All right. And then into verse two says, and keep, let's read this together and keep, can, can you read it with me? We got enough here. We could read it and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Now, of course, the word keep is obvious, but the word ordinance here is paradosis, which I've already put up on the screen. And so when he says, I'm going to teach on hair, it isn't like, well, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's just no big deal. No, no, no. He says it is a command. It is a or or and I've given you several Bible translations there, uh, a command uh, or a teaching that is handed down from uh, over time. In other words, it's never going to become obsolete. Now, many people think that, well, whatever the world, whatever people are doing, that's okay. Just don't go against uh, the culture. So years ago, they, women didn't cut their hair, but today it's okay because of so-and-so. No, no, that's, I'm trying to show you that he said, keep the ordinance. It's something that is something that you keep over and over. It's never going to become obsolete. 
Now, let's go to the next slide because we're going to move into verse 3, and this is where it gets interesting. Now, let's, I'm not going to read verse 3 uh, as of yet because I want to look at this slide here. Now, when, when Paul begins to speak here about a woman's long hair, he's, talk, he's referring to it as her covering because the, the hair is the symbol. If, if I let my hair, let's say I let my hair go right down to the ground, which I don't know if I could or not. I can't even go. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think I have a problem, but let's say I could do that. Um, that would be rebellious. You see what I'm saying? It's a sign of rebellion. Someone said, well, long hair is not a sign of rebellion. Yes, it is. The Bible tells us that the man's hair, it, that it, it, in, as far as God is concerned, some people say, well, that's just if the world thinks it's a shame. No, no, no. It's not whether the world, it doesn't matter what the world thinks about it. What matters about it is what God thinks about it. So if a man's hair should be cut short and he doesn't cut it short, then that's rebellion. What does that do? It's like someone saying, uh, well, uh, homosexuality is good or bad. God says whether it's good or bad. The world can say it's wonderful. That doesn't change anything. What matters is what God thinks about it. And so he's, listen, he's calling the woman's hair. This is really about the woman's hair. Now I'm going to tell you why it's about the woman's hair. Because God is lifting women into the very heights of glory to show that they are not a second-rate creation in God's order. They are right up there. They are God's creation. Women were made in the image of God exactly as men were, but they are not men. They are women. And you can have 50 surgeries and it will not change it. You are born into this world as God created for you to be. And that makes you in the image of God. And then, of course... So I'm trying to to come back to it. So the point is that her hair is the central theme here of her covering. That is to say that she has a covering before God so that she represents, and that's what we're about to come to. She represents that glory of God, the wonders of God, because she is living obedient to the Lord. She is not trying to be what she isn't. She is trying to be what God made her. And so it is that her hair is her covering. That is her uncut hair. Now, let's now go to verse 3. The head of every man is Christ. You see, so we're not talking about whether Hollywood or somebody in New Jersey, what they think about it. I'm thinking New Jersey because the governor just has been pronounced that he has COVID. Uh, And so uh, that's what's fresh on my mind. So the head of every man is Christ. Everybody say the head. So how many sees the word head has something to do with hair? Everybody say amen. Where do, your hair grows on your head. Okay. So, so the head of every man is Christ. Now, the, this is the Greek word kephale. And kephale can be used and be speaking of uh, authority. Sometimes it means authority. But it has the basic meaning of origin. So that. The, the origin of man is God. God created man. How many knows that Adam was created first? See? Now, people don't like that. They want to, no, don't tell me what to do. Okay, Adam was created first from the dust of the ground. He was created differently because he is different. 
God created man from the dust of the ground. And where did woman come from? She came from the side of man. Did that make her less? No. It made her an equal partner. She came out of the side of man. But it changed God's order and plan for the man and the woman. The man. Well, let's look at it. We'll come back to that. Don't get so excited. We're just talking about here. Here we go. The head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Now, the way to think of this is not primarily authority. Now, I'm a father. Where do I get my authority as a father? Because the government says, now, here's your paper. Anybody got your father papers with you? Where the government said, you're okay, you can be a father? What about, you got, have you got your papers that said you can be a man? No, 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 no. See, no, 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 no. You didn't get it from anybody else. So it is with, with uh, when God made us. So the origin of the woman is the man. That's the, uh, that's the main aspect here. Because what this is doing, it's showing that in God's order and his plan, uh, we can be what he intends for us to be. If we want to be something else, then that brings a chaos into creation. It was never meant to be. And, and that's basically what this says. And that red snake is, I don't know who painted that. Let's go on. All right, so let's go to verse 4. Every man, see I'm rushing because we're trying to get now caught up. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. So notice that we're now moving from origin. That is the origin of the man, the head of the man. How many knows, how many ever heard of the head of a river? You mean the source of that river. What is the source of that river? Now, in terms of origin, then we have in the Greek mind, at least in the word kephale, the idea that that brings with it certain authority. I have authority as a father. Someone said, well, you're, no, you, you're nobody. You just came from a monkey. I got news for you, my friend. I was made in the image of God, and I can be everything God wants me to be. I can live in freedom, and when I die, I don't just go into the dust. I was made from the dust, but I don't just go into the dust. I have an eternity. God made me to have an eternity. All right, so, 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 every man that prays and prophesies, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. That is Paul's term for long hair. If a man has his head covered with long hair, it dishonors his head. Now, and the word dishonor just means basically shame. It's shameful. And here's the point. It's not shameful because the government sent you papers and said, oh, that's shameful. If you ever speak against that, you're, that's a shame. No, no, no. No, it's shameful before God primarily. Now, it may be also shameful in the world, but it's shameful before God. Now, we know that it cannot be and this is important. Everybody say, praise the Lord. So you got to say with me because this moves quickly. So we know this doesn't mean that a man can't put something over his head. How many sees that I've got a picture there of a Jewish rabbi? And the Bible says that the Jewish priests and leaders were to cover their heads. Now, folks, listen to me. It is ludicrous. It is ridiculous. Ridiculous to say that God told a man he has to put a hat on and a woman uh, uh, He can't put a hat on when he comes into church, but a woman can or he can't put a shawl over his head How many ever heard of a prayer shawl? That's basically Jewish now. I know them uh, many people have have that type of thing 
but it's especially known among Jewish people that when they pray. Now, um, so I'm not going to sit here and try to do a history lesson. Okay, let me prove that when Paul stood there, that every man that ever walked into a Jewish temple had something on his head. I imagine they probably did, but it doesn't make any difference. The point is that there was no shame for a man to put a shawl or a cloth or a covering or um, I think uh, uh, it is absolutely false to think that Paul is saying, he, he's not saying it, that Paul is saying you have to put a veil. Everybody knows that there's a word veil. I can say veil. Paul didn't say veil. He said, have your head covered. Everybody say, have your head covered. That's a verb. He uses this as an expression for long hair and short hair. If you have your hair covered with, your head covered with hair, he's talking about the way God intended for you to be and look. He did, wasn't talking about somebody walking in and putting a piece of cloth over your head. And then try to tell me that you can't, men, you can't put a cloth over your head because God doesn't want you to put a cloth over your head. That is not true. It's not true. I just, okay. In fact, you can't even meet a Jewish man. I, I, I'm the truly orthodox. will wear these little caps. I know there's a name for them. I'm not, I'm not trying to just, I'm just trying to get you to see that the, the notion that Paul would be speaking here of somebody putting a hat on his head is absolutely false. He's talking about, and he's going to tell us this. I'm just trying to get, make sure you don't uh, think that, well, maybe he's saying men should wear hats or not wear hats in church. Wear them anywhere else, but you can't wear them in church. A lot, most of the Jewish people I know, men, wear the cap, I'm going to call it a cap, on their heads everywhere. They don't just wear that in church. They wear it everywhere. Because it's considered a sign of respect. And the Bible says, don't you dare walk into the house of God without covering your head. Told that to the priests. Someone said, well, he didn't tell everybody. Not to do. Uh, well, that's because the priests were the examples. And so when they went into the house of God, if you were going to respect the house of God, then the men would cover their heads with, with a prayer shawl. They did it all the time. They did it for centuries. And uh, they still do it. So this is not what Paul is referring to. It couldn't be, and it isn't. It wouldn't make any difference if they did or didn't. I'm just telling you, they did, they did cover their heads. And I can tell you right now, Paul's not referring to that. First thing that would have been brought up was, <laughs> well, look over here in Deuteronomy, where they had to put this over their head. What, what are you saying? It's a shame for a man to cover his head. The Bible says to do it. No, no, no. Paul's not meaning that whatsoever. He's talking about hair. Now, let's keep going and we'll see that this is true. Another next slide. Uh, let's see if we need to look at this. So they were commanded to cover their heads. Leviticus. Uh, un here we go. Uncover. We're right here. Uncover not. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, uncover not your heads. Neither rend your clothes, lest you die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. So that's, that's way back there at Moses. And, and there's a, you, you won't even see a picture of Jewish people without just like that. So, of course, they cover their head. And for anybody to think, oh, it doesn't matter what we do. No, no, they covered their heads. So he makes it clear that he's referring not to cloth veil, because 
they covered their heads, but of hair itself. For men, it is condemned because it is uncut long hair. But that's a woman's symbol of submission to and power before their creator. Then we look here at uh, verse 15, and I'm going to throw this in. Uh, you know, I'm not going to because I'm going to, I'll be there in just a minute. Let's just keep going. Everybody say, praise the Lord. All right, so now let's look at it. Now, I want you to look at this next slide, and there's a picture of a, of a Corinthian woman. And I know I said this last week, but this is where we ended, and I want to, and I'm ready to go. So Corinthian uh, women were, were not required to wear veils, and they weren't shamed because they didn't wear veils. Because some people think that Paul... Okay, I'm just helping you to, to understand that when people tell you, well, you know, they, what Paul was saying is those women were supposed to wear veils and the Christians were trying to not wear veils. And that would have been, uh, you know, that would have troubled other people. It'd be like saying everybody's wearing, uh, like, for example, when I go to public places, I never wear, I never wear half of my pants. I always wear the whole pant, no matter where I go. I don't know where the half pants came from, but I don't wear them. All right, and, but, but what if someone said, everybody here has got half pants on. It's half pants day. So, so I'm supposed to then, I have to then do whatever everybody else is doing. No, my friend, Paul never taught it. He never taught do what everybody else is doing. That notion is false, that he was teaching that. But I'm trying to go deeper than that. The, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm telling you right now. I'm showing you archaeology. I've taken archaeology. I have a PhD. I've studied language. I'm telling you. It is as simple as this. Corinthian women did not wear veils. Now, some of them did. Some of them didn't. And many of the women that supposedly were wearing veils wore like a band across their head. Had nothing to do with a covering. Now, not Jewish women. Jewish women wore coverings. Jewish women wore veils. But not Corinthian women. Is everybody with me? How many knows that Israel's way over there and Corinth is way up here? That's a Greek city and it's a very, it's got one of the huge, it's got a statue of liberty of a, of a goddess of immorality right in the harbor. Corinth is the city that has a statue of liberty to immorality. And in that temple, they were cutting their hair. They were burning the hair. It's not, not uh, just some uh, fantasy. This is historically accurate. They were doing all kinds of things, including shaving their heads. And this was uh, part of their immoral uh, practices. And, of course, they thought that the giving of one's hair, like a lock of your hair, and then burning it was like the ultimate. It's like, whoa, I'm burning a lock of my hair. You know, that kind of a thing. So that was like, whoa, oh my goodness, look at that. That's what was going on. So what Paul was saying is, now, but what's, what's critical here is that Corinthian women were under no compulsion to wear veils. So Paul is not saying, listen, he isn't saying, okay, all you Corinthian women, you need to put a veil on your head. Because where would that have come from? 
Why would he suddenly be telling them you where does it say a woman has to wear a veil? The fact that Jewish women did it was a matter of custom. And it was also uh, I'm I'm not condemning it in any way. I'm simply telling you that they didn't wear them. Why would he on, on what basis would he have said you must put a cloth over your head? He didn't and he's not. And they they would have been stunned if somebody walked in and said all the women have to wear cloths over their heads. And all you men don't you dare come in here. That's just not what he was doing. So verse 5 says, Every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, that is, she has cut her hair off, that covering before God is gone, then that dishonors her, that dishonors her head. Now, I, I'm going to tell you what I think that means. I'm not going to dig into this, but I think that means she dishonors herself. She dishonors what God made her to be. And I don't care if all the Corinthian priestesses in the world are in here chopping their hair off and shaving it makes no difference. It is a shame before God because God made you to be the glory of the man. He made you from the side of man to be exactly what he meant for you to be. Could we just lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus, because your word is true. Let every word of God be obeyed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. So, and, and this word, uh, un- her head uncovered, is akatakalupto, which is a verb that means uh, to cover. All right? And that's how he's referring to the hair, to cover. Men are not to cover their heads with long hair. Women are. So he doesn't use the word veil. He hasn't used the word veil. I'm in verse 5. He's, the word veil has not come up. And, of course, veil customs varied all over the world. He isn't speaking of cultural shame due to veils because it wasn't a cultural shame in Corinth. That would have been in Jerusalem. That'd be different. He speaks of the hair as a covering, which is a double symbol of both submission and power, which we will come to in just a moment. Now, let's continue now in verse B. Now, let's go to the next slide because here we see that B. That means I'm finishing the verse. For that is even all... One, as if she were shaven. So if she cuts her hair, she doesn't have the covering of hair, then that's the same or one and the same. You see how I'm, how I'm adding these words in. That's all one and the same. That's what that means. That Greek means that. And that's all one and the same as if she were shaven, which comes from uh, kurao, which we'll look at in a moment. And, of course, here it explains that a woman with her head shaved bald um, in the Old Testament context and in many contexts. Now, let's say you're in a culture, which there are cultures where they might do it. Then that wouldn't be a shame in that context to them. But it will never be acceptable before God. God never intended. Let's say someone said, well... um, I'm going to marry a man instead of a woman. That's never acceptable before God, ever, no matter what. No matter what the law says, no matter what anybody else says. And it's not natural either. It's not the way God intended for it to be. He intended for the woman to be uh, the, the, her glory to shine and show the world that she is uh, created in God's image. And how she does that outwardly is through her 
is through her hair, which is not only that, of course, living godly life and so on. So, so what he says here is that to cut her hair was the same thing as, as having her head shaven bald. In other words, uh, why would you go in there and start chopping on your hair when that'd be the same kind of shame as if you were bald. Now, let's go on here to verse 6. So I'm going to put verse 6 together here and here. So A and B, I've divided them up. For, for if the woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. In other words, let her be, let it be cut. If she's if she is not got uncut hair, a covering it's supposed to be, then let it be cut for now. That's what we call a sensitive. In other words, if let's say someone walked in and said, oh, Brother Prince, I did, I did it. I shouldn't have. I cut my hair. How many knows that once it's cut, it's cut? How many knows that? You can't say, well, I'm, okay, I'll go fix it. All right, let's say your hair was this long and you cut it to this long and you chop it right across and then you say, I'm going to go home and fix it. No, I'm sorry. That's what Paul's talking about. You, you, that's not going to happen. You have to let it alone. All right, let's say you did it. And now you realize, hey, I wish I hadn't done that. Okay, well, what are you going to do? Well, you may not get to sing in the choir. You may have to do a little differently. But, but you are now to let it be cut for now. Leave it alone and, and go back to what you need to be doing and recognize that this is, this is not what God intended and all the rest of it. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn for now. And this, this is kairastho, which is the Greek word uh, for cut. So now let's continue. Here, here we go. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord, just like you're loving it. Just say, praise the Lord, like you love it. Okay, now let's go on. But if it be a shame. Now, I'm, I'm telling you that this can be said since it is a shame because this is an assumed causal clause, which means that you can say since. So I would say since it is a shame for a woman to be uh, shorn, that is her haircut, or have a haircut, and to have it shaven. In other words, since both of them are wrong, then let her have uncut hair. Let her hair be covered with the covering of God. Could we just thank the Lord for a holiness church all around the world that is saying, Lord, I want to be in your image. I want to please God, and I want to be what you want me to be. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the power of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, folks, it's not everywhere you can preach on long hair and, 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 and feel the Holy Ghost. I mean, but I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. Now, we're going to go to the next slide. So, in other words, Paul says, if your hair's cut, stop it. That's really what he's saying, okay? That, that's exactly what it means. Let it be. Let it be. Let it alone. Do it. Stop it. Go back to what you were. Do not become something else. Okay, now um, let's go now to verse uh, 7. But we're going to look here at, the da- at these, uh, what are those? Uh, daisies. All right. Are those? Yeah. Um, whatever those are, that's the one I want to look at. Now, I want you to look with me at one, two, three, four. Four quick Uh, summations. I want to go back and summarize. Paul then all this time has not been referring to veils. How many can see he's never said the word veil? Now all you Greek scholars, you say, well, he said a katakalupto. He said katakalupto, katakaluptomai. That's a verbal form. He was trying to say it as a verb. I didn't say he didn't use the verb. I said he never said the word veil. If you're telling me, he's telling women, you must put something on your head you've never had. That's not even customary. And he never mentions it. Be like saying, I want you to eat it, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. 
Or here, here it is. Put it in your hand. Now, I hate this. I don't ever do this to me. Especially, to, don't, don't you may do it to me, but do not do it to Sister French. Okay, I, I, do, I can get away with it. And so, okay, now open your hand. And I'm going to put this in. Tell me what this is. I mean, it's, it really takes love for her to let me do that. And it's all, I'm always up to no good when I do it. But anyway, and so she gets it in her hand, and then you start. Uh, <clears throat> you would never say, I'm going to talk all about something that is very, very critical, and you must do it, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. See, that'd be, that would be silly. Uh, he, he's not said veils because he's not talking about veils. He's talking about hair. The, the cut and shaven, in other words, whether you just cut it, everybody say cut it, or whether you shave it, like if I shave, how many knows? <laughs> I gotta stay, I've gotta stay really on point here. All right, so I would never uh, shave in the morning with scissors. How many knows that? You know that, right? You don't think I shave with scissors, right? Now I would cut with scissors. That's because scissors. Now I know I I I know I'm gonna get all these notes now about how in the Old Testament the word shear is from the same word and it, they would cut the hair they would shear the hair of a sheep so they're basically saying we're we have we're <laughs> we're all sheep but no no but anyway but the point is that if you're talking about just the basic difference in just cutting or shaving it's obvious that part's obvious when you're done shaving you probably used a razor. And you're, you're bald. Now someone said, well, no, I, I, I know of this Hebrew word where they, where they sheared the sheep and they had a little hair left on them and stuff like that. Well, okay. That's not the point. The point I'm making is that basically the difference between to shave it and to cut it is the difference in snipping it or shaving it right off. That's what Paul is referring to. Now I know that sheep are sheared with particular ways and so on. I'm, uh, if, you, if you're just dying to get into that, go, go get, make a, a PhD in shearing sheep. It's fine with me. But it has nothing to do with Paul's basic difference here. He is saying that before God, now you're listening to me, before God, if you snip it off, you might as well shave it off. Because that's how God looks at it. God's the same as saying, okay, I get it. You're saying what I say in my word and my power and what I want is, means nothing to you. You want to know why we got a lot of dead churches in this world? Because they're not obeying the word of God. Can we lift our hands and say, Father, I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to serve God. So the, the cut shaven argument only makes sense if covered or to cover is talking about uncut hair. And cut and shaven hair remove a woman's God-given and God-ordained covering. So that's exactly what he's been talking about. And we're we're building on this. We're trying to hurry. No logical basis exists for assuming that cut hair, shaved hair, and no cloth veil are the same thing. See, that's what some people are saying. If you cut your hair, if you shave your head, and if you don't put a cloth over your head, they're all exactly the same thing. It's like saying murder and stealing and taking somebody's ballpoint pen are all identical. See, that's not, that's cuckoo, folks, that's cuckoo. Paul's not saying that, and, 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 and there's no logic to it. Cut trimmed hair, regardless of length, is condemned as shameful, just as shameful as baldness. That's Paul's point. Paul anchors his argument, though, in creation, and that's what makes it so powerful. Eve wore no veil. 
either before or after Eden. She wore no veil. And this is talking about Eve. Is anybody with me here? All of my veil friends, I know you don't like it, but I'm telling you, you need to consider. Eve wore no veil. Now, if you want to make an argument and, and, and come on, send it on, where she wore a veil in the garden, that's fine with me. But she wore no veil. Why would she wear a veil? And why would you need, a, why would you need an article of glory to make you a feminine, beautiful person? Besides what God has made you. Not to be modest and glorious and so on. That's a different question. But to say that in order for me to please God, I have to put a cloth over my head. That is not what Paul has said. And it wouldn't be illogical. Veils were never a universal norm. Can you say amen? Listen to me. There were a lot of veils in the ancient world. But in Corinth, it wasn't all that popular. If you want to go from Greek city to city, because, you know, uh, Greek cities were basically little countries, as it were. Corinth and Athens, they were little countries almost. I, I mean by that, they were little centers of, of power. And in many cities, they were totally different customs from other cities. Paul wasn't saying, oh, oh, wait, wait, look, look, what are they doing over there? Oh, they're cutting their hair. Let's all cut our hair. No, that's not saying that. That's crazy. He was saying that God has ordained a certain norm, and it's not veils, because there is no norm as it comes to veils. But long hair on women, are you listening? Long hair on women is one of the most universally recognized norms of all societies of all times. Someone said, well, I know, I know a woman way over there. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a norm in which it is absolutely normal that there's a difference between how a woman looks and the way a man looks. That is so normal throughout the, that is exactly what Paul is referring to in just a moment. We'll come back to it. Now, let's move on. We're going to look now at, uh, and we're going to go quickly, verse 7. Now, I need you to stay with me. Do you need, do you need some coffee or something? Whatever you need. Here we go. And I need you to stay because I want to, I want to tiptoe through the last verses. Now, let's look at it. Uh, the glory of God is reflected in the distinction between the man and the woman. Not, uh, just the fact they were created as man and woman, but by the outward distinction of hair. Now, let's think about it. It marks the outward uh, distinction between man and woman. And hair then becomes a divine symbol of God's order, plan, rule, uh, and, and value. Uh, it, it is ordained as a powerful spiritual reality, which, of course, people that don't do it, that they, they may not know that. They may miss that point altogether. Be like saying, have you ever tasted, uh, have you ever tasted that? Well, if you haven't tasted it, it's pretty hard for me to tell you what, what it tastes like. All right, so God's glory, everybody say God's glory is man. God's glory is man. And therefore it can't be covered. The man is not to have as his outward symbol to be covered because man was from the dust and is the glory of God. Now, man and woman are both the image of God, but that's the glory that we're talking about. So the man cannot be covered. He cannot have this rebellion of long hair. He mustn't do it. The glory of the man is the woman because it came from his side. 
and in that order. And so must be covered in reverence of God for all of us. All of us have the covering of our mothers and of our women because she represents the glory of man. She represents saying, I am what God made me. Now, let's begin in verse 7. For a man indeed ought not, which is the Greek word uh, of phyla, which means must. It, with the infinitive, I teach Greek, it means must. She must not, he must not cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Put your hands together and thank God. He is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. Therefore, her glory is symbolized differently. Verse 8 and 9. For the man is not of the woman. The man is not out of the side of the woman. How many knows that? The woman came out of the side of the man, but not the other way around. Can you say praise the Lord? And so God's glory, if you start saying, oh, I reject what God did and said, then you're in trouble. Praise God. Thank God right now. Let's just lift our hearts and thank God right now that he has given us his word and his truth and we can live it in our lives. The man is not of the woman. Notice I give you the Greek word there, out of. So ek there. But the woman is out of the rib of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman. Now, now I want to be very clear here what for means. Because some men are so, uh, I mean, we're living in a world where uh, there, there's chaos all around us and, and certainly moral chaos. The, the, neither was the man created for the woman. Now, that doesn't mean uh, I'm a caveman and the woman is for me. Aga, aga. Doesn't mean that. It's dia in the Greek, which means the, the man was not, neither was the man created on account of the woman. The woman was, came afterwards. The man didn't have a help meet. And so God said, I'm going to make a woman because I've already made man. So that shows that God has distinguished them. But, but the woman was created on account of the man. The man was created, and on account of that, we now have the woman. Which, oh, I thank God, I thank God, I thank God. Hallelujah. All right, now, let's go into verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. So, even though women are equal, each one, the man and the woman, need the other. They're interdependent. In other words, they depend on each other, but they're distinct. They are, they are made distinctly before God, and the symbol of this is in her hair and his hair. So the angels are obedient. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Put your hands together and thank God for angels that are all around us. Let's thank God for the angels that, are, that do exactly what God tells them to do. Now, there were angels that were disobedient. Those are, we call them demons. So angels were obedient. 
Simon was obedient with his hair. That is, he had the vow of the Nazarite, which I believe is exactly what is being referred to here. That he made a vow that he would not cut his hair. He would not drink strong drink and, and other things that the Nazarite had to do. What, what am I saying? That this is a symbol of the Nazarite vow. And so it is with woman. She makes a vow. I'm going to make a vow before my God. I'm going to be obedient. So the woman of God is obedient in response to her hair or her glory. And the promises and the glory of spiritual power then become hers. Praise God. Not alone. I mean, if you're out killing people, you're not going to have any power or glory. What I'm telling you, though, is when someone is obedient to God, there is automatically a reverence and a power that comes because of that obedience. Now, let's go on because we want to look at 11 and 12. Nevertheless, everybody say, praise the Lord. So for this cause, a, a woman, uh, ought the woman, the woman must have power on her head because of the angels. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'd like to go further there, but if I, if I start there, I, I could be a while. I just don't want to take another moment. Oh, verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman. That is chorese uh, in the Greek, which I've given you here. So the, the, the man, neither is the man apart from the woman. It's another way of saying man and woman are equal. The, the, the man cannot exist without the woman. See, we're taking another step here in, in the distinction and the glory of the man and the woman in the image of God. Of course, we live in a world where they want to say monkeys are just as important. We're living in a world where snails are more important than human beings. We're living in a world where babies are murdered every single day right here in this city. Where, and you wouldn't dare step on certain bugs because they're protected. That's the kind of craziness our world is doing. But let me tell you, there's nothing crazy about being obedient to God and, and having power before God. So the man cannot exist without the woman. Neither is the man without the woman. That is to say, there wouldn't be any men. <laughs> wouldn't be any men. Wouldn't be any men if it weren't for a woman because that's the way God ordained it. Neither the woman without the man. So we're seeing that God has this Beautiful arrangement. Out of the side of the man came the woman, and now man comes from woman. In fact, all, all humans come from, from the woman. Now, we're speaking specifically of the, their, their interdependence, not that a mother and a father don't contribute to a child. We're not, that's not even in discussion here. The discussion is that both are dependent on each other. If the man doesn't have the woman and the respect and the mutual respect, then you're not going to have humanity. And the woman can, cannot boast that, that God didn't create her from the side of the man. So you were created as you are because God has a plan and glory. Now, verse 12, for the woman, I mean, for as the woman is of the man or out from, that's ek, out of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. Now, the King James tries to catch this by saying the woman is of the man and the man is by the woman. But dia in the genitive means through. So you, the, the man comes 
through the woman, meaning, of course, childbirth. And all things are out from God. It's another way of saying God created it all. God made it, and it's God's natural order. Now, we're almost there. So now we come to the final uh, argument for Paul about hair. But he say, praise the Lord. And I pray that God will give us conviction. I know some people think, well, Brother French, thank you for that. But I'm asking God to give you conviction and to give you a, a desire to be obedient to his word. Now, listen to what verse 13 says. Oh, even though uh, I've just put it here, this is, there we are. All right, judge in yourselves. Everybody say that. Judge in yourselves. Now, when he's, this is interesting. I'm not going to dwell on this verse because it's, it's very important, but, but it doesn't advance the... the I just want to let, let us read it. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely or proper that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Okay? That is to say, to, to cut her hair and then pray before God. Now, why would he ask you that? Why would he say uh, or say to the Corinthian women... Judging yourselves. And that's, that's an issue we're going to leave aside. Because if I, I can't cover all, uh, I can't ex answer all expected re concerns people have. Well, what about a man's hair? If it was, how long would this, how, what if it's just over your ears? I, we can't go down that road yet. All right. Now, verse 14. This we have to cover. Does not even nature, that is fusis, you see here? Here's where we are. Doesn't nature itself, fusis, the, that is the created order. Now, some people have told me many, many times, many, many times, when I got my, I got my PhD, the, my uh, next, uh, uh, a friend in the same time getting his PhD was uh, in a particular church, and he was a homosexual, and he was writing why the Bible was wrong about homosexuality. That's his whole, his whole PhD. One night we sat and he said, listen, Thomas, I know you're one of those real conservative American Christian. I would study it in England. I know you're one of those real super. <laughs> I want to say, you don't know the half of <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, I said, we can't even chew gum. No, I never said that. But uh, I, what he really meant was, I'm one of those totally free people. And he said, and says in his PhD, you can get his PhD. I'm not going to tell you where it is. I don't want you to read it. It's, it's horrific beyond words, all right? He says that nature means culture. Doesn't the culture tell you that a man shouldn't have long hair? So if you turn on the television and all the men have long hair, that's okay then. But if they all have short hair, well, then you got to run. Oh, wait, 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 mom, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's what they tell you to do. You get a, one of those... Uh, telescopes and look over there what are they doing what are they what are they wearing that's what he said that's just culture whatever the culture does but but i got news for you now i want you to listen to me and i mean this i'm almost done the word fusis does not mean culture now, I have seen it. I've seen it written. I've seen it. Uh, and, uh, and I've seen people claim it. I've seen people twist it and try to say, he's just saying the culture, whatever they're doing, you got to do that. No, no, this is very powerful. Does not nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? Now, Romans 126. Now, look here. I'm just going to say it one time. I don't want you mad at me. This cannot be culture. 
He says, when, when this community here, this immorality, they were doing things against nature, against fusis. They were doing it against nature. It was an immorality so vile that I cannot mention it from this podium. I'm not going to mention it from the podium. I could, perhaps. So you're going to tell me that if someone's... Uh, Doing something terribly immoral. As long as everybody in Hollywood likes that, it's okay. Whatever the culture is accepting, you can go ahead. Okay, kids. Hey, we can do that now. That's cuckoo. That's as cuckoo as you can get. The word does not mean culture. It means the way in which God made it. For example, a, an apple tree is an apple tree. He made it an apple tree. Go against it. Now, verse, so nature itself, the way God made us. You say, well, what does that mean? I'm going to suggest, I don't have much time here. Everybody say, praise the Lord. We're, kind of, we're just kind of coming to the end here. How does nature teach us this? Because it's built into us. Why do we look all over the world? Now, someone was, uh, I'm, I'm, I may go a little astray, but stay with me. Well, Brother French, you know those, back in ancient times, the Chinese men had a little long hair. They put in a big braid and so on. Yes, that's true. That's true. He's not talking about that. He's not saying that every single human being that ever was abides by a certain way. He's talking about what God built in. When you look at the world and you see women everywhere with this distinctiveness about themselves. They, now, not, not, someone, not a woman that's trying to look like a man. They could, they could do that if they were trying to do that. But nature tells them, no, 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 I'm trying to be something else. And they just instinctively, I call that it's built into nature. Just like a mother. How many has ever heard of a motherly nature? It's built into what you, now someone said, well, I know a dad that took cigarettes and and burned his little kids with the I have too. I'm not talking about him. But there are men that instinctively are dads because they were made to be the, the provider and care for their own. It's part of what they are created to be. The fact that we can find people that don't do it, that's not got a thing to do with it. It's a shame. Nature teaches us that that's a shame. Man's hair dragging on the ground, that's not natural. But if a woman have long hair, komao in the Greek, which means to allow to grow. How many knows that if you cut it, you're not allowing it to grow? If you cut your hair, you're not a komao. That's not komao. Long hair means you are letting it grow. The minute you cut it, you're not letting it grow. Someone says, well, I'm just changing the length. We're not talking about length. If you serve God and today you make a commitment before God, the day that Samson took the vow, because he, he took it as a baby, but you know what I'm trying to say, that the day that you uh, walk in and say, Lord, I made up my mind. I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to live holy. God looks at you in a brand new way. He doesn't say, well, your hair is that long. He says, they haven't touched it. They haven't touched it. 
They're letting it go. And that's the vow they made with me. Now, I can't say that. See, I have to say, okay, I got to keep getting my hair back up uh, where I can tell a distinction here. And so I'm cutting my hair short. And, and, but the woman doesn't have to do that. She just has to leave it alone. Let it go for now because you've already cut it. If the woman have long hair, it is a glory for her. By the way, uh, let me go back in verse, uh, in verse uh, 14. So it says, it is a shame unto him. Everybody say shame. That is from the word uh, atomia, which I did that in such a weird... Oh, well, you can see it up there. The, the verbal form, the atomia is not the verbal form. I'm, I, I didn't have enough room. I just said, okay, well, I've got to hurry. Uh, so atomia, look at what it says. They gave themselves up. God, God gave them up, talking about immoral people, to uncleanness, to dishonor. That's the word right there which is translated their dishonor. And of course, we noticed that a moment ago, Paul used the word dishonor. Sometimes he says shame. The point is that it is a shame before God. He gave them up to uncleanness to to dishonor or shame their own bodies. Think of people whose, whose lives, I was listening to the, I'm almost done, listening to the, the number of deaths just this year from overdoses of drugs. Folks, it's staggering. I wept. I told God, Lord, I, I'm, I can't bear the thought that that many tens of thousands of people have literally pumped into their body drugs that's destroying them. They've, they've dishonored. They have shamed their own bodies until they have killed themselves. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to make their grief even worse. I'm trying to tell you that when someone is immoral and that is a shame, you cannot say, well, it's just a shame. You know, not like, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a shame. That's not what it means. It means that it is something as powerful as a uncleanness that God has to change in our lives. But if a woman have long hair, let's stand. I'm, I'm, we're, we're done here. Let's stand. We're going to read the last verse here. If, the, if a woman have long hair, that is it, komao is allowed to grow, which I would just call uncut. Some people say, oh, oh don't say uncut. Don't say uncut. Ah! Uncut. If a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. I had someone say to me, and I, I, mean, I understand it. Well, I just don't want any of that glory. I don't care about all that glory. <laughs> and I said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It's a glory to her. For her hair is given to her, that is by God, for a covering. Her hair is her covering. There it is. We, we worked all the way around from verse 1. And we come back to the very same point. Her hair is her veil. God has given you. Why would you need a piece of cloth? When your hair is your veil. And that is your glory. Brethren, I think we should pray for our ladies. Would you, I want all the men to lift your hands and I want you to pray with me for just a moment. Let's pray that God will affect our nation and our world. Father, we know our world's in trouble. We know that lots of people don't understand the ways of God. But I pray that we will see a great and mighty 
turning toward the Lord. And these brethren are praying for their sisters, for their family members, their wives, their mothers, their sisters, their aunts, their, their loved ones, that, that, Lord, that you would give them the power of glory in their lives. Lord, I believe that your presence rests on this church because we are abiding by the word of God. Lord, not because we're perfect or because we're talented or because we can sing, but because your glory is in this place. We are the glory of God and the woman is the glory of the man and shines before you every single time we lift our hands. Ladies, would you pray with me right now? Let's lift our hands and ask God. Father, I pray for conviction to get a hold of us. I pray for conviction to get a hold of us. I know I'm not what I should be. I know I'm not everything I want to be, but I know you can give me conviction. You can talk to me, Jesus, and you can make me what I ought to be. You can change my mind and my heart and my life, and I thank you for it. Lord, I praise you because your wonderful, glorious creation is lived out in our lives every day. Could we just clap our hands? Could we just love him a little bit? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. Sister French, I want you to come up here. We're going to dismiss. I'm going to have Sister French come and pray a covering for me and pray a covering for you that God will use us and help us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. This lady right here really likes me, and though I'm, I'm very glad that she does and she's going to pray for us I want you to pray that God will cover this church because we are very anxious for revival in Jesus name praise the Lord praise the Lord dear Lord Jesus we thank you Lord for your word and we thank you Lord for the power that we have Lord the power that we have with the angels oh God when we obey your word Lord and I pray, Lord, as Pastor said, that conviction will fall in our heart, oh God. Lord, that your word, Lord, is sharper than a two-edged sword. And God, I pray that the word would take root in the hearts and in the minds and that truth would grow, Lord. And Lord, I pray, God, as we are obedient to you, Lord, God, that we would bless those and God there would be power in our church and power in our homes and power Lord Jesus in our relationships oh God and strength to our husbands oh God when we obey you Lord and Lord Jesus we know Lord that if we obey you God and we can lift up holy hands unto you Lord we know God that you Lord will pour out your spirit God and there will be a mighty work that will take place in these end times and we thank you for it in Jesus name in Jesus name amen amen praise the Lord and everybody said in Jesus name God bless you now turn to someone greet them you're dismissed thank you for being here tonight we love you God bless each and every one of you you're dismissed